escapingthecave.com. Also on Facebook and at ETC Pod on Twitter. Escaping the cave. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. Zilla X-Pod. Tonzilla X-Pod. Howdy, Tonzilla Files, and welcome to Escaping the Cave, the Tonzilla X-Pod on the ChristopherMedia.net network. Also over on, I want to call it iTunes still. No, it's Apple Podcasts now. I've got myself up on uh, Google Play. Also, uh, Spotify, brand new feed over there. If you're on Spotify, get me there. Subscribe. All that good stuff. And uh, over at uh, Stitcher 2, got a couple other things in the works for that. So, yeah. Hope you're having a good week. Been a while since I've done one of these. I've, uh... <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this before. I know it's becoming a crutch. It seems like every podcast I do, I say, I've got a lot of stuff. I have a stack. And, you know, i got to confess something to you. I don't have a researcher's background, right? I don't come from academia or academia at all. And um, it's kind of a problem for me now because uh, all this material, I don't really... I'm, I'm struggling to put it into something coherent, something linear. And I think I'm doing this the wrong way, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I, I think I'm attacking this like I think I'm some sort of an educator, right? Like I'm trying to write a book, or I'm trying to put forth some thesis for my listening audience. Plus, I'm just trying to organize this crap <laughs> to get it, you know. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. I feel like I'm bouncing around a lot because I've got stuff from this book. I've got stuff from this thing that I wrote 10 years ago. This is literally the truth. I've got another book over here, and then I've got another piece that I found online, another thing that I typed up for another podcast. And when I start moving this thing forward, I, I'm finding these little chunks and these little pieces that fit in different places. And I do not know how to put that together into something cohesive something that makes a lot of sense, something that moves forward in a linear fashion that's going to make sense to somebody who does not already have some sort of a background or a fundamental foundation in what I'm talking about. And so I spend a lot of time trying to do it <laughs> and making mistakes and having to go back and correct all the stuff. And that's pretty much what's been happening here for the last 10 days. I know exactly where I'm going with this. I mean, I could sit down and I could read the stacks and piles of stuff over here and just read it, and I could fill four hours. But I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I'm getting this right so I don't have to keep coming back and readdressing and readdressing and readdressing. Because I think it's going to be more effective for you if I can put it into, into something that flows. Right? But I don't know that that's possible for me. And it is a podcast, right? This isn't freaking Harvard. I'm not lecturing at Yale, for Christ's sakes. This is the Internet. Right? I'm right alongside Guys We Fucked. <laughs> the Guys We Fucked podcast is on the same platform as I am. There are people who were talking about how sexy data from the, uh, the, the old TV series Star Trek is. Right? I like Bang Chewbacca, too. I mean, come on. I may be taking this a little bit too seriously. <laughs> I might be. But who knows? So anyway, uh, let's get started, because I do have a lot of stuff. <laughs> there it is again. I'm just going to record that. I'm going to put it on my little hot button like this one. And every time that I say, I've got a lot of stuff, 
I can just use that button and not have to say it. Then I'll feel better about myself because I do need to feel better about myself some days. We all do. So you judge me. All right, let's get to the news. I'm going to try to shoot through this really fast, and I'm going to fail. <laughs> uh, so the big story this week, I guess, is Bill Barr and, uh, I'm sorry, Robert Mueller and his report and whether or not he's going to uh, uh, go testify in front of Congress. Also, Justin Amash, he is right up the road. I am not in his district, uh, but I'm really close. Two counties, one to the north and one to the east of me. You talk about gerrymandering. Go take a look at his district. Anyway, he is not my representative. My representative is Mr. Fred Upton, who says nothing about any of this stuff. I don't even know if he's read this report. He is like, like his vocal cords have been cut. He says nothing about anything. He's been that way for years. He's a Republican guy, so of course he doesn't say anything. Justin Amash, however, Freedom Caucus guy up there in Grand Rapids, is saying a whole hell of a lot about this. He did a town hall this week to sort of go up and talk to his constituency, his constituents, and uh, made the news. I mean, he's had a lot of things to say, and there was some woman, I forget her name, I probably should have wrote it down. In fact, I meant to go get the audio of this batshit woman. She basically attacked him the entire time, or a lot of the time anyway, but he was up defending his position on why he believes Trump should be impeached. She's nuts. They got her on camera afterwards, too. And she used to be, I guess she worked for his campaign. And she's under the belief that Justin Amash is supposed to do her bidding, supposed to do the party's bidding, and protect and support and promote Donald Trump and the Republican Party. <laughs> that's, she thinks that's his whole job. She actually said, she, I went online to make sure this is your, your job. No, bitch, you didn't. If you did... You're delusional. Those words on your computer screen probably weren't really there. Your representative's job is to represent you, your constituency, is also to defend the Constitution of the United States. See, that's the part about the House of Representatives, the checks and balances, the power of investigation. He's a member of that body. Therefore, his job is oversight, you dolt. I've had a really good experience since I've come back to Michigan in the last year, 12, 14 months. I've liked it here. You're embarrassing me now. You're making me feel like I'm back in the panhandle of Florida. Stop it. I do have to give the guy credit. I'm not a Tea Party fan. Freedom Caucus is the rebranded Tea Party. Sorry. I think I said in the other podcast, the Tea Party, or the Freedom Caucus is an Xfinity to Comcast's Tea Party. I would not vote for the man just simply because of that, but i got to tell you, this has been a nice demonstration, a nice, fresh example of at least some semblance, some appearance of independence up there in Grand Rapids. I would like to thank you, Mr. Amash, for that. And quite frankly, I don't care if it is because you're setting up a run for the presidency. I don't care if you're doing this simply to get your name out there so you could maybe primary Trump next year. I don't care. I really do not care what your ulterior motives are. You see, and Democrats want to have this both ways, right? For over a year, two years, why aren't you Republicans standing up to this man? One stands up to the man. Oh, he's just doing it to run for president. You want it both ways. Shut up. You're getting what you want. This is why nobody listens to you. It's part of the reason nobody listens to you. You're, you're questioning his motivations. What about yours? 
You just want to be a contrarian now. The man's doing exactly what you've been clamoring for every Republican to do for two years. Oh, he's just running for president. It's all, and it's not just you idiots, you run-of-the-mill idiots either. Sorry, you're idiots. If you have, if that hasn't occurred to you, I question your intelligence. It's a judgment call. I'm making it. But it's not just you. It was all over the CNN this week, dismissing the guy. Oh, he's just running for president. So how do you talk out of both sides of your mouths here? You're going to say that about anybody, aren't you? So why bother? Why would anyone bother to stand up to the man? It's not going to do any good anyway. You're going to see it through the political lens. You're going to see it through your own little filter. The same way Congress is seeing impeachment through theirs. What's the point then? Is any of this sinking in? McFly, help me out here. I do not understand it. Let the man do what he wants. If he wants to run for president, fine. You know, I might register as a Republican and go vote for him. Just simply for the, 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 even the illusion of independence. Of someone who can think for himself. He actually read the damn report. I applaud him for that. No, I haven't read it yet either. I'm going to order it. But you know what? I wasn't elected. It's not my job to represent West Michigan in the United States House of Representatives. I think I should be held at maybe a, a little bit lower standard than him or everybody else, every other member of the House of Representatives and Congress. Maybe they have a little more, I don't know, influence than your friendly neighborhood Toddzilla podcaster. So that was great. You know, and if the goal is getting Trump out of office, like I said, people should welcome this. If that's your primary goal, everybody says, well, we want to make sure he's not elected. Well, it seems like you would encourage a Republican to primary him, even on the off chance that Amash could beat him. It seems like if that's your primary goal, and your primary goal isn't just to be a whiny, bitchy contrarian. Oh, Republican bad, everything they do bad. I'm sick of this. I'm so sick and tired of the infantile behavior. Reactionary just twitches. These cognitive twitches. Oh, almost like a like an like an intellectual epileptic fit. Oh, he's just running for president. Shut up. And you know, again, at least he has something organic to say about this too. And it's obvious that he's read the report every time he talks. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's heads and tails above every other Republican representative that I know. And everybody ought to be cheering that. Regardless if you like him or not, if you're a Republican or Democrat. At least he's thinking. At least he's thinking. He's not just reacting, chucking out propaganda talking points. Foreshadowing. As for Bob Mueller... You know, uh, a couple of people that I talked to this week sort of take Bob Mueller at the, um, sort of like this. They see his hemming and hawing and how he's uh, sort of taken a very backseat, very quiet stance since he released this report. It's sort of like, you know what, I did my job. I did the investigation. This is what I found. I couldn't charge him because he's a sitting president, but I couldn't exonerate him either. I'm the investigator. You, Congress... And this is, the, this is the case here. If you're talking about impeachment, Congress is the prosecutor. 
It's up to them to decide whether or not they want to bring impeachment charges. Just because he didn't put, please charge him, in that report, they still have prosecutorial uh, responsibilities, powers. It's their job to bring articles of impeachment and send it to Congress. The House of Representatives is the prosecutor in this case. The Senate is the jury, so to speak. You're not going to convict him in the Senate, of course. Everybody knows that. But that's sort of how I see Mueller. I did my job. Here's the information. You decide what you want to do with it. What's wrong with that? You're looking for a hero, right? You're looking for Superman to come down, a political Superman to come down and save you. And you thought Bob Mueller was going to be it. And now he's not. Now you're pissed. Everybody's looking for a fucking savior here. They're looking for somebody, a super, just a hero to come in, save the day. Because we, collectively, cannot do it ourselves. Max Boot put something on, uh, on the Twitter last couple of days. I don't, I don't know, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. But he's like, are we too stupid to even govern ourselves anymore? It's stuff like this. That makes me wonder if, yeah, maybe it is just sheer stupidity. I'm, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm blaming data overload. I'm going to talk about propaganda. But there is a certain level of just basic fundamental personal responsibility for your own ability to have a rational thought about a lot of the stuff. And I got to wonder, man. If you think that you need daddy to come in, daddy Mueller, to come in and take care of this because the people you elected and the people you support, the people who are afraid of you because of your lack, your lack of reason, at some point I think you just got to look in the mirror. At least to a certain point, at least consider that. That was a great question. I, I sort of twitched at it a little bit. I thought, Max, really? You're on TV all the damn time, Max. I see you a lot. Maybe you ought to have that conversation with the talking heads who are out there pimping your brand while you're on TV. If you want to talk about stupid people, send them my Media 101 podcast and ask them about it. That's all I'm saying. Media gives people what they want. Though the people are stupid. What about the values angle on this too, right? The impeachment angle. You know, I, I have heard that question asked earlier this week as well. Like, is, is it a values question? An American values question? How does the values angle play into the chance that a failed impeachment could, maybe, increase the likelihood that Agent Orange is elected next year? Again, re-elected. I'm inclined to sort of agree with these principles people, Right? That if you believe that he obstructed justice, if you believe there's evidence of that, and you believe he's guilty, we have principles. If he committed a high crime and or misdemeanor, well, you impeach. Right? It's not that easy. Because I guess there is a value attached. as in a virtue. That if you think he's a threat to the uh, very American system, Having him re-elected next year carries a lot of weight. That's an, another reason, though, that I find the criticism for Justin Amash bewildering to me. Even on that level, I mean, every 
criticism of that man coming from the left, of Justin Amash, bewilders me. What are you talking? Just running for... God. There are very few things. And this is, this is a large statement. There are very few things that annoy me more than that right now. But, you know, we know where impeachment's going. We know it's going to be just blown up. It's going to be scud-missiled in the Senate. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to be immediately taken care of. It's going to be suffocated in the crib. So in the end, impeachment, really the whole process, is going to be a campaign stunt. It's going to be an extended photo opportunity that is going to influence hardly anyone. Even independents. And I consider myself one. They're going to see it as a partisan prosecution and defense. Democrats prosecuting because they're Democrats and the Republicans defending him because they're Republicans. Not based on facts, not based on any violation of law. Based on partisanship. It's one of those things where if I know your sect, I can anticipate your argument. I think that is, is one of those things that's probably subconsciously in the minds of a lot of people who have never even heard that quote. Especially most undecided independent thinkers. I think they hear a Republican talking, they know exactly where he's coming from, and they know exactly what he's going to say, and they're always proven right. And the same thing happens when an independent listens to a Democrat. They know exactly what they're going to say, they know the argument, they've heard the talking points, and they're almost always right. There's hardly ever an original thought in there. That's why I love what Amash did. It's always a repackaging of the same standard Bullshit that we've heard a hundred million times. More on this is coming. Exactly that thing. And the established lack of congressional independence has already destroyed any illusions that there's any objective search for external truth going on. It's going to be seen as a show trial by, by half the country. Reality TV, man. And rightfully so. There's no prayer of it succeeding. So it's not an easy question <laughs> to impeach or not to impeach. But I'll tell you this, that our representatives, any of our representatives, that any of them actually think that the people trust them to speak and act beyond party or personal interest outside of Justin Amash. Well, no, <laughs> personal interest, <laughs> right? But for any politician to think that we believe that they're speaking or acting beyond party or personal interest is laughable. Uh, Mueller had at least some appearance of impartiality. He was sort of billed that way. He was pimped that way, sold that way. And, and most people kind of still see him that way. They think he, he, he completely failed. At least a lot of folks do. But he was seen as impartial. And when he punted everything moving forward from that moment when he refused to say that he recommended an indictment or an impeachment of President I, I've never used that phrase. I'm not going to start using it now. I've never said that, by the way. I have never said president with his name attached to it. I almost did. I caught myself, thank God. But everything moving forward as far as the impeachment of Trump is going to be seen as an elaborate uh, campaign ad. One way or another, even, even the Republicans are going to see it this way. Because they're going to be pimping and selling this as a soft coup. So the Democrats are going to be giving them their campaign commercial material the whole time, too. It's a big clusterfuck. I should name the podcast Escaping the Clusterfuck on the ChristopherMedia.net network. It has a nice ring to it, and I don't know if uh, Apple Podcasts would have taken it. 
Here's another question for you. I'd like you to email me. <laughs> if, if, if you answer this in the affirmative. Or anybody out there, anybody, who sees a legitimate non-sausage party hope path to accountability as far as obstruction, as far as Russian interference in the election. Do you, any, does anybody see a path to accountability that's not blocked by a redwood tree? Anybody? <laughs> and if it's left to the 2020 election, how confident are you even best-case scenario, Democrats win. That they're going to do so by such a large margin that President Word Soup won't just refuse to concede, scream, soft coup, stolen election. He's already, he's already laying the foundation for that stolen election crap. Did you see Liz Cheney this week? Oh, it's a coup. It could be treason. The whole investigation was illegitimate. You understand what they're doing. I hope. It's the smokescreen. They were given this almost impenetrable smokescreen as soon as Mueller punted. But it, does anybody think the Democrats are going to win by such a huge margin that Trump won't be able to just refuse to cede the election to the Democrats and not scream, soft coast, all an election? Anybody, does anybody see that? Even if they win, it's going to be razor thin. He's going to challenge the outcome if they don't blow him out of the water. He's been building that psychological sleeper cell since before he was even elected. And we all know where that likely ends up, right? We saw this in 2000. It's going to end up before the Supreme Court, a conservative Supreme Court. Thank you, Mr. Kavanaugh. Elections matter, you know. <laughs> I don't agree with Bill Maher on absolutely everything. I do agree with the material he borrows from me, but not everything. This is one thing where I think he nailed it. He's been saying for a long time that he thinks that uh, Trump is just going to refuse to leave. He's going to scream stolen election, and he's just not going to leave the office. If he gets beat in 2020, I do not disagree with him on that at all. And I mentioned Liz Cheney calling the investigation possibly treason the soft coup defense and all that. Here's another thing to consider. Here's another thing to consider. Trump's declassifying of intelligence to investigate the investigators. He declassified all this. He said, yep, yeah, go ahead. Use it. He weaponized intelligence to use against the very people who investigated him. That's some Banana Republic stuff, man. This Manuel Noriega would blush. So if the Attorney General now can use that information, cherry-pick his information, his declassified information, and use that to uh, sort of frame the entire scandal as a corrupt investigation slash soft coup stretching all the way back to Obama, right? And any of the federal judges who are Obama appointees which I assume there are. I haven't researched this, but there's already a lot of howling from the right-wing uh, fringe about this stuff. But if they can tie all that in, Barr has all the smoke cover he needs, along with the supplicate Senate, to just ignore everything and then start this sort of uh, investigative counteroffensive that Hannity was referring to uh, six weeks ago. 
Now, objective facts, don't, don't invoke that. What are you talking about? What's the matter with you? <laughs> objective facts? You child. <laughs> Those things are irrelevant now. It's all spin. It's all, it's all perception now. Perception is seen through the political filter. I'm glad I watched that one episode, <laughs> that, that opening segment of that one episode of Hannity. That was illuminating. And if this is the case, this is just the tip, man. The shaft is coming. If Hannity knows what he's talking about, and he's on the phone, it seems like, every night with Trump. That's, that's the, the understanding, anyway. The shaft is big, and it's thick, and it's going to hurt. Who paints a better picture than me, huh? I'm the podcasting Picasso. Anyway, yeah, this is institutional hospice. I named an entire podcast that just because of this, because your, your institutions are failing you. They're breaking down right before your eyes. They've been co-opted. Two and a half of the three branches of government have been co-opted and are now arms of the executive branch, Office of the Presidency. The only thing our hippie friends have, our liberal friends have, is one half of one branch of government. The House of Representatives. And beyond that, you don't even have the Supreme Court now. What are you going to do? How do you imagine that you're going to stop this? I'm, I'm listening. I'm all ears. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying that to be obnoxious and to be mean. How do you propose to stop any of this? You had better win this election by 10 million votes. Because if you don't, you do not have anybody else in your corner. Elections matter. How does that, that, that protest vote look now? Stein voters. You people who are whining about Bernie. Oh, Bernie got ripped off. I'm staying home. How does that look now? Hmm? I spoke by staying home. Oh. I'll show him I'll vote for somebody who's going to lose. Can't even be competitive. How does that look? How do you feel about that these days? Now we had a blue wave, though. No, you didn't. You're going to find out just how deep that blue wave comes if and when you decide to impeach. And your articles of impeachment go to the Senate where you lost seats last year. You got a moral victory. That's all you got. Your blue wave is a moral victory. One half of one branch of government. And you can't do anything now. You are powerless. Powerless to stop him. But, at least you got your protest vote out there a couple of years ago. Way to go! Have you ever done the math on that, by the way? Have you ever gone and looked at Jill Stein's vote in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin? Have you ever actually looked at the actual vote totals for Trump and for Clinton, and then compared them to the votes that Stein got here in Michigan and then in Pennsylvania. and then You should do that. <laughs> Don't cry when you do. Now, I know a lot of you folks think, well, those, all of those people weren't going to vote for Hillary. Well, they sure as fuck weren't going to vote for Trump. You show me somebody. In, in what world are you seeing a Jill Stein voter voting for Cittolini? 
And what about the folks that stayed home? I don't want to vote. I didn't get my Bernie. Just saying. Go look at the vote totals. And she's a Ralph Nader. With her votes applied to Hillary Clinton's votes, we don't have this problem. I won't call you out individually. I know a lot of you. I have actually called a few of you out individually. Maybe I shouldn't have. But I am still. That's the, when I think about the source of disgust, that's right where I go. I don't want to vote for Hillary. It's a, Bill, William Shire, man. I, I, I've said this a hundred times on this show and the other one. He's got it in Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. The failure to stop Hitler was rooted in the inability of the opposition parties to unite against the common real enemy. History's rhyming, man. He's not radical enough, or she's not radical enough. I don't want to vote for somebody in the middle. I won't vote for a white man. Sucking my thumb there. Failure to unite against common enemy. You're doing it again. Of course you are. You can't unite on the radical fringe. You can't do it. There is no such thing as unity via division. Identity politics. Those types of things. It's time for a woman. Is it? Maybe. Where are your priorities at? Just saying. If you'd rather have Donald Trump in the White House than another white penis. I got a question. Where are you coming from? I got a question. I got a question. Your motivations. So... I do that, it seems like, every few weeks. Bring up the Jill Stein. And I'm not convinced. I'm going to put my little tinfoil hat on. Where's she been? Have you seen anything from her since that election? I mean, it's like the election ended. She got on a spaceship and went to Io. Nowhere. Nowhere to be seen. You talk about election interference. Her appearance in that election just seems really weird to me. She happened to come in. She happened to get just enough votes along with everything with the, the social media interference. I am not convinced that she was not part of that plot. <laughs> Again, I can't prove it. <sighs> I've seen little pictures of her with, I think, with Putin. Maybe the RT guys. Russia Today. But I'd, I'd love to see somebody just sort of sniffing around her political taint. To see what her actual uh, intent in that election was. It's not going to help us now. I know. We have to look forward. Oh, Adam Schiff today. He was on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, this is just beautiful. This is an Adam Schiff. Or Adam Schiff. Adam shit. Whatever. An Adam Schiff. Tweet from Thursday. Mueller has one more service to provide. Testimony before Congress and the American people. If he wants the public to better understand the seriousness of the Russian interference and prevent others from misrepresenting his work, 
Duty calls once more. That was verbatim. So, before Congress and the American people, and duty calls once more. Oh, that's dramatic. Boom. I, I feel like there should be some like dramatic music playing behind his tweet. Duty calls once more. I'm sick of this man. Listen, numbnuts. <laughs> Here's the deal. You got the report. It's in your hands. You can read it. You can take notes. I can, you know, I'm learning to take notes here. If you'd like, I can take them for you, or maybe you'd like to dictate them to me. I'll write them down. And you can take it into your little committee meetings when you're deciding whether or not to impeach. You've got everything right there. Do you think that Mueller is going to come into your little hearing, go off the rails, and start dropping these bombshells of unknown truths that's going to change the game? What has given you the impression? Throughout this whole thing, that Bob Mueller is going to do something like that. Tell me what, where, where, where have you gotten this impression? What the hell's the matter with you? Do you think? Don't answer that. Of course you think we're stupid, because a lot of us are. Now, what you want, Mister Schiff, is the photo op. You want images all over the internet of Bob Mueller in front of Congress with some outraged, self-righteous, indignant Democrat trying to get at the truth. You already have the truth. You already have the damn truth. Everything he has is in that report. Everything is there that you're going to get from him. Good luck with the evidence. (laughs) You have no power, remember? What good is this? Again, you want an extended 2020 campaign commercial live in Congress. That that was the key. Before the American people. That gave it away right there. Before the American people. Live hearings. So everybody can watch it. And you can put on your little demonstrations of ostentation and self-righteous outrage for voters. This isn't about anything else. That freaking line. What was it? Duty calls once more. Shut the fuck up. At this point, Adam Schiff, impeach or shut the fuck up. I am sick of you. I am sick of your pandering voice, and I am sick and tired of your doughboy, politically impotent face. Impeach and do your job or shut the fuck up. Thank you. (sighs) I'm 40 minutes into this thing, and I haven't even started. <laughs> I think we're going to call an audible. I think uh, I'm going to get to, uh, you're going to get a bonus podcast this week. I didn't realize I had that much uh, <laughs> frustration pent up in my psychological colon. Apparently, I did. Woo! Felt good. Felt like taking a dump. That was awesome. <sighs> well, where can I go? Hmm. Can't do that. Can't do that. Oh, I know what I can do. America's most profitable business is still the manufacture, packaging, distribution, and marketing of bullshit. 
High quality, grade A, prime cut, pure American bullshit. And the sad part is, most people seem and believe that bullshit only comes from certain places, certain sources. Advertising, politics, salesmen, not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit, teachers are full of shit, clergymen are full of shit, and law enforcement people are full of shit. This entire country... This entire country is completely full of shit and always has been from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitution to the Star-Spangled Banner. It's really nothing more than one big steaming pile of red, white, and blue all-American bullshit. And I think, I think Americans really show their ignorance when they say they want their politicians to be honest. What are these fucking cretins talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into American life, the whole system would collapse. No one would know what to do. Honesty would fuck this country up. And I think deep down Americans know that. That's why they elected and re-elected Bill Clinton. You betcha. You betcha. Yeah. Because the American people like their bullshit right out front where they can get a good, strong whiff of it. Clinton might be full of shit, but at least he lets you know it. Doesn't he? Dole tried to hide it, didn't he? Dole kept saying, I'm a plain and honest man. Bullshit. People don't believe that. What did Clinton say? He said, hi, folks, I'm completely full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, you know something? At least he's honest. At least he's honest about being completely full of shit. You know, the world misses George Carlin. I'm telling you. Can you imagine Carlin being alive right now? I miss that man, I'm telling you. You're listening to the Escaping the K podcast. I'm on the ChristopherMedia.network. I'm also over at uh, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and brand new up on Spotify as well. I am your congenial host, your friendly neighborhood Toddzilla. Thank you ever so much for clicking in today. That first segment went entirely uh, got out of control a little bit. I, I intended to spend about 10 minutes on that and uh, obviously went a lot longer. So this show is going to be improvised moving forward. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. A couple other things I wanted to get to. I was going to spend a little more time on this, but it's not really that big a deal, I guess. Uh, Australia had their elections here in the last couple of weeks, uh, last week or so. And they had their own little home alone moment, their little Trump moment. Liberals were supposed to <laughs> win the elections over there, do really well. And uh, conservatives uh, wound up um, doing a lot better than they were supposed to. EU elections happened uh, last weekend as well. And again... These right-wing nationalist parties are making headway. One of the biggest problems they have in Europe right now is that they're not consolidated. They don't have a unified manifesto. They're sort of feuding amongst themselves. They ever put it together? Eek. And in the UK, man, Nigel Farage's uh, Brexit party. This, this party's like six months old. It's brand new. And basically wiped the floor with the Tories and Labor. If I saw this correctly, I spent an afternoon, a wonderful afternoon on Sunday. I have to tell you, watching BBC World was awesome. It was like I was watching something that was sent from Jesus. It was so without bullshit. Oh, it was awesome. I think Jeremy Corbyn, I think he got his ass beat in his own district. The big takeaway from that 
moderates basically getting their butts handed to them. Green Party did really well, especially in Germany, but throughout Europe, but also the far-right nationalists continue to gain ground politically in Europe. So if Europe is uh, doing the bilateral extremist thing, after Brexit a couple of, in, in, in 2016, and that being a harbinger for Trump, I hope this isn't a harbinger as far as moderates being shown the door. And I really wonder what that's going to say for Joe Biden. Maybe nothing. Could be nothing. But after 2016, I pay attention to these things. Some other news this week. Bill Buckner, baseball player, died. I did this on my podcast, my other podcast, the Do Baseball Toddcast, also on the CRISPRmedia.net network. Uh, he died this week. There, there's one thing that I would have liked to have heard Bill Buckner talk about before he passed away. It was mob behavior. Being vilified by the mob. It's one thing that he understood implicitly, and he went through this long before social media. I mean, he was attacked back when, it, when being attacked was analog, right? Anyway, I talked about the data informational knowledge wisdom pyramid on the last podcast, and I had a nice little chat with a friend of mine over the week uh, talking about that. He actually asked me a question. He was like, so if uh, people can't differentiate between good and bad data, how does the pyramid deal with that, with data being at the very bottom tier? And my, my reply was, it's not the pyramid's job to worry about sifting data. It's an abstract concept. It doesn't really exist for one thing, right? It, it's up to the individual to remain autonomous and at least care about the, the data it's digesting. That's the whole Lipman thing. Walter Lippmann is now on my reading list, by the way. I had a few more quotes that I found from him today that were brilliant. I, I'm a little lacking in the Lippmann. I won't be for long. I can promise you that. But the Lippmann quote I'm talking about is that a society which lacks the means to differentiate between truth and falsehood is a society that does not remain free. If you can't tell truth from fiction, you don't remain free. It's as simple as that. They're going to be under somebody's thumb eventually if you can't tell truth from bullshit. End of story. And Lippmann, as I pointed out in the other podcast, did not differentiate between an internal unwillingness or apathy to differentiate between truth and falsehood or something that's an external mechanism stopping you from doing. It doesn't matter where it comes from. If that happens you are eventually under someone's thumb. You are no longer free at some point in time. And if someone doesn't care about the truthfulness of basic fundamental data, they just take it all in. Oh, this looks good. The informational level is corrupt, right? The level up from data. If you're taking in bad data, if you're taking in shit data, the level up from that is information. Therefore, bad data means bad information. It's corrupted, and the best you can hope for is cleverness at that point. The illusion of reaching tier number three, which is knowledge. Invoking Tamus again. Plato's Phaedrus. And wisdom? <laughs> Bitch, please. You ain't getting there. There ain't no way. So bad data equals corrupt information. And cleverly spinning whatever you've got collected into maybe the illusion of knowledge. Oh, and the conceit, as I invoke Plato again, the conceit 
the empty conceit, the fake empty conceit of wisdom. You think you're wise. But all that stuff you're carrying around in your head, it's bullshit. So you're not, see? You can be clever. You can sell it. You can spin it however you want to. Most of the time, you're a clever propagandist. You're spinning somebody else's junk. You're not smart. You're clever. You're not knowledgeable. You're clever. That's a huge, there's a huge difference there, man. That was one of, the, one of the seminal days in my life. I may be exaggerating a little bit, but it was a big day when I figured out that clever and smart are not the same fucking things. And a lot of you are really fucking clever. You think you're smart, but you're not. You're articulate. You can cleverly repackage doctrine, dogma, orthodoxy into nice-sounding pieces of prose. I give you that. Some decorative language to spruce it up. But when you dig into the idea, you're adult. You're a parrot. Saying the same thing that everybody else is saying. You're just doing it a little differently. You've got a little more tinsel on your cognitive tree. Tree's still dead, dude. That's what I see. A lot. Again, it's up to the individual to do the hard work of maintaining their own damn mind. It's not some abstract pyramid's job. Now, here's the thing. you got to remember this. This is hugely important. I'm going to get to this. I keep saying I'm going to get to it. This is part of the propaganda piece that's coming. You better not be telling these people spreading their propaganda illusions from either Tier 2 or Tier 3. You better not be telling them any of that. They will almost never allow themselves to see it. This is height. This is a lull. There's a lot of people. They can't see it. And even if they could see it, they won't let themselves see it. It's part of the post hoc stuff. Ego. Identity, a whole bunch of reasons. That's the internal switch they have to flip. You can't do it. You're going to piss them off. It's all you're going to do. And they're probably going to dig in even deeper when you tell them that. You cannot reach them. It's useless to try. The height elephant connection exploited by the propagandist. The refusal to see that their data, information, knowledge, wisdom pyramid is corrupted at the base level. But yet, they think they're, they think they're Cicero, man, and they are running around telling the world that 2 plus 2 equals 5. And they're sure of it. As cocksure as anybody. You will not fight that. Unless they want to have a reestablishment and a reconnection with the concept of objective external truth. As close as they can reach it anyway. Once people draw the emotive conclusion at that data information level, it goes beyond that. They're not just protecting it now. Okay? They want and demand, demand their bullshit. And then they're going to cling to it. It's not just that they're concocting this stuff. They want you to give it to them. This is the Media 101 podcast. This is the stuff that the consumer demands from their informational sources. And therefore, the informational sources must provide it or go out of business in a for-profit media model. So they demand it, they get it, and then they just cling to it. It's mine. My opinion. And then spread it and perpetuate it. 
amateur propagandists. Now, uh, maybe you're looking for a happy ending here. <laughs> a little sausage party hope. Is that what you're after? You're not going to get it from me. I, I apologize. Reading through this stuff, the prognosis is, is beyond grim. It goes back to the Max Boot thing that I was talking about earlier. He asked a question. Are people getting to the point where they're too stupid to govern themselves? How can they govern themselves, taking the empathetic, sympathetic angle, if they're drowning in data and are choking on bullshit? How can they govern themselves, even if they want to, if they cannot differentiate, if they're too overwhelmed with bullshit? Again, taking the empathetic, sympathetic angle here. How can they? Had a nice exchange with a professor from Georgetown, I think, earlier this week. And that was it. He's like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. How do people govern themselves? And I, I, again, I said the answer is ominous. They can't. Doesn't exactly sell podcasts and books and <laughs> not going to get me an appearance on Dr. Phil. But it's the truth. A free people. An enlightened citizenry cannot exist without the ability to differentiate, distinguish between truth and bullshit. Doesn't matter why. And what makes us susceptible to being unwitting propaganda puppets? It's ingrained inside of who we are. We demand this stuff. It's one of the things that I found in this reading. That's universal. It's not something that we can just, you know, oh, I think I won't be susceptible to propaganda today. Doesn't work that way. You can't just, I mean, awareness definitely helps. But it's not that easy. Especially when you're swimming in it. How do you, how can you tell if you're being influenced by propaganda? If you don't know what propaganda is. If you can't differentiate between propaganda. If you're just swimming, it's like being in the ocean. And trying to figure out what part of your body's wet. You know, if you're underwater, you forget you're wet, right? If you're drowning in propaganda, you can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't tell the difference because it's everywhere. How does that work? How do you cut through it then? What if there are no authentic, reasonable choices for your information? Then you really have to attack the independent thought angle of this. I think. Best I can come up with. Oh, here's another thing that's going to ruin your day. <laughs> we talked about narratives. I got a bigger piece on this that's going to open the next podcast. Uh, but you saw Tyrion Lannister's speech, right? Game of Thrones season or uh, series finale. Stories are the most powerful things. Everything's a story. That's the one thing that drives us is our narratives, our stories. Stories are narratives. As what they are at their core. So is propaganda. So is propaganda. And because of that, Jacques Ellul and others suggest that we actually require propaganda. Largely for the same reason that Tyrion was talking about to bind people together under a common story. Bind people into cooperation and productive groups. I don't know how to reconcile that. I was not expecting that. It's one of the very first things in his book, Propaganda. A little. 
that people need it. People require it. It's part of what binds us together. Narrative and propaganda are the opposite, the flip side of the same coin. It's a story. Religion. It's the creation story. A narrative. A piece of propaganda that puts us at the center of the universe. Gives us something to believe. It's disturbing. I, again, I do not know how to reconcile that as of yet uh, without invoking Hobbes and Leviathan again. But if that's the case, an authentic, autonomous, intellectual freedom that's free from being ostracized from the group. I need to repeat this line. An authentic, autonomous, intellectual freedom. Being yourself, actually thinking for yourself without being ostracized from the group, society, is almost impossible. You have to be an island. And the only thing an indoctrinated ape hates more than them is a random nomadic loner infidel who follows no one. A heretic. When you're just out there wandering around isn't part of anything, right? Maybe that infidel could be called a centrist in the political realm. It could be. I don't know why this is. I've encountered this in my traveling a little bit. I usually, hmm, I have encountered people despising me. Go get a job. You're just lazy. Get a job. What are you doing? I've run into that. But most often I got looks and this impression of curiosity. Like, ooh, I'd like to try that. I couldn't, and I could never bring myself to do it. But yeah, I kind of get this on some level. A lot of my rides pick me up for exactly that reason. Now, for these folks that hate the centrist, hate the social infidel, the outcast, the, the loner, the guy who's ostracized himself, refuses to participate in group A or group B, I wonder if they reflect their own group lobotomy. If they know on some level that they've just surrendered their intellectual autonomy. And seeing an independent thinker, an independent human being, scares them. That's like the line from uh, Easy Rider, Jack Nicholson. Oh, he'll talk to you and talk to you and talk to you about freedom. But they see a free individual, they get scared. I know I screwed that quote up. That's, yeah, I guess a lot of it. I think part of it reflects the conformity and the surrender of their autonomy. At least to keep it in the political realm to orthodoxy. I don't like it. A lot of people don't, man. Well, you get it from both ends. I feel like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm about to be split-roasted if this podcast ever takes off. I'm going to get it from liberals, that's for sure. And I'm ready for you bitches. I'm going to get it from conservatives, too. And I'm, I'm well-versed in dealing with you guys. You Trump bots. I've been, I've been waging war with you for <laughs> 12 years. I'm all right there. And I've been in camp resistance. I know what they are. I'm a traitor. <laughs> in their sense. Not too worried about it, but I, I, I do. I, I honestly believe that standing here in the middle and telling people to think for themselves, to shun propaganda, the agenda-filled information, the, the agenda-based data, 
the agenda tainted and corrupted data. I feel like standing here in the middle. Yeah, I'm setting myself up if I ever get any exposure. I'm going to be swatting down bullshit left and right 24-7, or I just shut my comments off. That's what Andrew Sullivan did. I'm going to tell you the story about Andrew Sullivan one of these days. It's excellent. If you get some free time, Google Sullivan and... I'm trying to think of the Google term you could use. Uh, social media exhaustion or something like that. Article's a few years old. Yeah, loners are not part of either clan. And so they become easy prey. And a lot of times I think that these clans and these groups, even if they hate each other, will forget their own differences and attack them. There's this video on YouTube I saw about monkeys that did that. They like doing their thing or whatever. Oh, there's a there's an outcast. There's a lone a lone ape over there. Let's go kill him. I think that's in our DNA somewhere too. And eradicate it. And Matt asked me this question as well. What if you can't get good data? I don't know. I mean, external truth exists. There's answers out there for everything. Everything you can think of right now, there is an external truth to it. Whether or not you can understand it, perceive it, reach it, comprehend, it doesn't matter. Your ability to understand does not affect the existence of truth. Reality does not conform itself and deal with the inner workings of the human ego. Thank God. External truth exists, whether or not we have access to it. You relativists, are, you're apoplectic right now. You're about ready to drop a truth bomb. Man, it's my truth. You can't say that external truth exists and everything. Yeah, I can. I just did. Usually, if you dig deep enough with people who are arguing that, it's because they can't comprehend anything existing outside of their realm of understanding. I've been having that argument 15 years. Always ends the same. But in our existence and where we are right now, finding that external truth gets harder and harder each and every week. And again, I'll go back to the Lippmann quote. His means to distinguish truth from falsehood. Right? Again, he didn't distinguish between internal refusal and an intentional or commercially motivated external confusion. Right? Right? doesn't matter if you're doing it or somebody else is doing it to you. The, the end result is the same. And personally, I guess, if someone made the argument that it's the devil's fault, the media, I'd probably refer them back to the Media 101 podcast. Is it the devil's fault? Is it really? Are you sure? Are you sure that these media companies would not be giving you uncorrupted data as best they can if you weren't demanding Spin and propaganda. Happy facts. Your team's pep rally script. Are you sure about that? Are you sure that is the devil's fault and not yours? And not ours, collectively? Have we collectively abdicated responsibility for our own minds in favor of narrative and propaganda? Happy little bedtime stories. Have we done that? It's a good question. I think we have. There is no incentive for these folks to give you unfiltered, objective truth. You'll go someplace that doesn't. They gotta exist. Media 101 podcast.
Please go listen to it if you haven't already. And what about the filter? The media filter. People being able to abandon that thing and sort of go try to find something that isn't taken through Rachel Maddow or Sean Hannity. Or to get information from those two sources and be able to extract some semblance of fact out of it without bringing the propaganda with them or without dismissing everything because you disagree with propaganda that's coming from them. I've got some Goebbels quotes here. I read his little pamphlet on propaganda. <laughs> Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's guy. The best propaganda always has truth in it. The worst propaganda is just made up. Unless you're Donald Trump. <laughs> but that's true. There's always going to be some semblance of fact in really good propaganda. It's a skill to be able to extract the fact out of it without bringing the emotion, the emotive influence with you. Right? That's why I like to go watch Fox News to get information, criticism on Democrats. And I will go over and I will watch Rachel Meadow if I want to get some information on Trump. Because you're not going to agree with the spin, right? You're going to be really attuned to the spin, the propaganda. It's not going to work on you because you can see the horse shit. But you'll still be able to, if you're, if you're vigilant, you'll still be able to extract some of the facts out of it and maybe start your search there. That's worked for me a couple of times. I just, I, hmm. It gets to the point where I can't stand it. I think a lot of people are like that. I can only do that in small doses. But I'll tell you this, that escaping that filter is, is really, really hard work. It's time-consuming. It takes a lot of effort. <laughs> and the, the empathetic part of me here is trying to escape again. <laughs> I should release him one of these days and just let him go frolic in the green grass. Really, though, who has time for all that? Drowning in data. It's understandable to a point. I've said this before, but again, Lipman, doesn't matter. If you lack the means, be it time, it doesn't matter what the means are. Time, internal apathy, a shitty media, it doesn't matter. If the means to tell truth from falsehood are not there, it does not matter. I, I, I'm, I'm being honest with you here, trying to be your friend. Sometimes being a friend means telling you the truth, and sometimes there ain't no happy ending. There's no happy way to spin it and tell you it's going to be okay. I can't do that. Best I could do is, hey, awareness. If there is any hope, it's down that path. That's the first steps you're going you're gonna to have to take is down this little tiny rock-strewn path as you try to get to the top of that mountain. you got to start somewhere. Awareness is it. I'm going to repeat one other line. The same thing I did in this conversation. If you do not have the interest or the time to sort through the data deluge, to get that data that you're choking in, cough up that corrupt data hairball. If you don't have that, you are better off. You are better off, and everyone else is better off. If you just unplug, do not ingest anything. Yeah, well, you guys stay informed on current events. Let me tell you something. If you can't tell the truth from bullshit, it's best that you don't keep up on current events because, because the man who knows nothing is closer to the truth than the man who believes falsehoods. If you can't tell the truth, if you can't tell if your opinions are based on fact, 
If you can't tell if your opinions have been inseminated up in you by somebody else, unplug, play some video games, do something else, take up gardening, maybe go for a jog, listen to some slaughter. Oh, boy, while you're out there running, do not listen to a partisan podcast while you're out there doing it. You can listen to me. That'd be cool. Take me running with you. That's an old Jefferson thing, though. A man who knows nothing is closer to the truth than the man who believes falsehoods. Another question he asked was, in the run-up to the 2020 election, is there going to be any data that isn't corrupt? Think about that. I don't know where to get it right now without extracting it from the sources, being really attuned to the methods of propaganda, the slogans, the repeated slogans. Siding with a dictator. Oh, that's another one. Oh, that's coming, by the way. Did you hear that this, this week? Did you notice how every talking head that wasn't on Fox sided with a dictator? Sided with a murderous dictator. It was sided with a dictator with a little improvisation added every now and then. That was propaganda. Everybody was saying it. Beating that into your head. Beating it into your head. The same as fake news. Same as no corruption, no collusion. It's the same thing coming from your side. Kids in cages. Same thing. You don't see it, do you? Liberals. You don't see that as propaganda, do you? Remember what I said earlier? You can't tell them. They will not see it. It's the truth. It's a truth bomb. It's not propaganda. It's a truth bomb. It's a truth cluster bomb. Poof! Everywhere. Bullshit. That was propaganda. He did side with Kim Jong-un. You remember what I said? It always has truth attached to it. Beating that slogan into your head. There's a reason they do it. You know, you ever see the, the loops from Fox News where they're doing it and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe people don't notice that. I can't believe they just like keep listening. They were doing that to you this week. Your team was doing the same thing to you that Fox News does to their viewers. And didn't notice, didn't care. That's how it works. They count on that. They count on the fact that you won't notice because you like it. So anyway, 2020 election, any data that's not corrupt, the better question may be, would we even know good data if we saw it? Would we? Would we know objective truth now if we saw it? I don't know. I don't know if, it, if it's even recognizable at this point. I don't know if anybody can actually look at a piece of objective data without taking it through one filter or another. I don't know that I can. I may be taking it like looking for the angle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now who put this out? Got to check it. Yeah, prognosis on that grim too, man. Best we can do in my view, uh, I guess, is cling to some very fundamental basic principles. The old stuff. One's predating the great virtual propaganda wars. That's what I've tried to do. That's why Lippmann was alive 100 years ago. Going back to these old pre- internet technological inundation ideas. It's nice too, though, because it, it does work. I've noticed this in my research. I'm, I'm focusing on a lot of guys and a lot of writers. Not all of them, 
but a lot of them who were around before even cable television, like uh, Marshall McLuhan is one, Lipman is another one. And I've noticed when they talk about the advent of technology and what that does to people, and they have talked about this for a long time. It's not something that's new. Even uh, with radio, they talked about how the inundation and data changed people. They were noticing this with radio and television, of course. So I'm trying to go back, and I'm trying to get these ideas that these guys had before all of this, because they, they've never experienced this. So anything that would apply now would be untainted. Does that make sense? In other words, it wasn't anything that was generated. We weren't thinking about the Internet when they started analyzing the effects of technology and what happens to people when they're suddenly nailed with more data than they know what to do with, more information. Right? I mean, it happened with the Telegraph, for Christ's sakes. This is just off the charts. And that works. because I, I've noticed it with Lippmann. I've noticed it with uh, Marshall McLuhan. Uh, Neil Postman's great about this. And some of these guys are really technophobic, and I'm not. I'm more interested in what this is doing to us and understanding it and sort of, not, if not inoculating ourselves, at least doing triage on it. But that works. Going back to these earlier writers and these earlier times and seeing if their ideas and their research holds as it moves forward. Because if it, if it applied then, if it's accurate, it should still apply now. And it does. Part of this is a psychological study. But, you know, that's, that's the best I can do. That's the best I can think of. I'm not giving you the grand design here, the grand design solution. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure there's anything we can do other than be aware of it. Matt asked me if, if people want this stuff. Yeah, I just, I just address that. Absolutely want it. To the unicorns who don't want this stuff, are you sure you can tell? If you're one of the people that don't want to be propagandized, are you sure that you can tell when you're not? <laughs> and memes. Memes are a... <laughs> Jesus, they're the modern cultural equivalent of Nazi propaganda posters. These memes all over Twitter, all over Facebook. Jesus. That's exactly what they, instead of hanging them on subway walls, pumped into your phones 24 hours, seven days a week. I feel bad for Kinkos. <laughs> They're like the blacksmiths of the, the propaganda age, the, the virtual digital propaganda age. <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> they could be printing these posters up. They'd be making billions, man. Uh, Jacques Alou goes a lot further than uh, even Gustave Le Bon. Uh, when talking about uh, the mobs and how uh, propaganda and mob mentality functions as far as people wanting their propaganda oval teen. Uh, and Alul's is, is even more sobering. See, the thing is, I don't think our battle is fundamentally political, ideological, racial, or even tribal. Though, in general, in general, it's all of those things. But I don't think the, the fundamental battle is that. I think at our core... What's happened to us, and I think the, the future battle, the future warfare, the future, the future battlefield is psychological and technological. Lack of self-awareness compounded by the collectively stubborn and infantile unwillingness to even make an attempt at self-awareness. To understanding ourselves, being aware of our own psychological processes. To shining a light on the less flattering parts of who we are and how we behave and how we think. 
You know, you add to this the means to instantaneously gather into these self-perpetuating electronic mobs of emotive irrationality. Mobs of emotive irrationality, each seeing itself as righteous warriors battling the forces of evil in a quote-unquote news media driven by the for-profit business model, profiting via ideologically crafted product, boutique infotainment, propaganda of choice. It's not hard to figure out where all this leads. If your eyes are open and their eyes are clear. Alternate factual universes populated by packs of frothing beasts who are wholly unconcerned with objective truth. And if you're not if you're not concerned, if you don't have the means to differentiate truth from falsehood, you're not going to be free for very long. Maybe you'll be on the good side. Maybe you'll be on the side of the oppressors. Well, there you go. Moral victory. But you're not free. Whether you think you are or not. Finally, I know you've all been conditioned to think that the next election cycle is going to fix everything. You want to believe that your Messiah, your Savior, is coming down to make everything all better. I talked about this in the first segment. Right? But with each cycle, man, each cycle, each year, it just gets worse and worse. To believe that won't continue, to believe that trend will not continue is lunacy. Do you think it's going to get better after the 2020 election? Please put the formula on the board for the class to see. I do not see how that is even possible. Yeah, I've talked about this before. Even if the Democrats win, the investigative counter-assault's going to happen. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Nothing's going to happen. That's a best-case scenario. Unless you're deluded enough to think, somehow... That the entire country is behind you and coming your way. Sorry, hippies, they're not. You know, there's this thing that I found. This is great. I really enjoyed finding this. I did a podcast called Hold My Beer. It was about uh, basically the idea. uh, I asked a question. Do do you understand why your self-righteous cultural demands of behavior are not being met? Right? Oh, so you think I should be a feminist? Fuck you, bitches. Hold my beer. Right? There's a term for this. I found it again. Thank you, Jacques Ellul. There's an actual term for this, and it's called boomerang. The boomerang effect. (laughs) Where they've done studies on shit like that. Of course they've done studies on stuff like this. But the example he used in his book, which was written in the 60s, was that they studied people who... Like, watch the old public affairs shows on TV, right? They used to have, like, the Sunday morning shows, right? And people wouldn't watch them. People hated those damn things. They didn't care. But the ones that did, they found oftentimes people would just dig in and reject the idea being thrown to them, like what you're supposed to believe. They would actually cling to the opposite opinion because they were being told what they should think. It's a boomerang. Boomeranging. If that wasn't a thing, every time a conservative sat down and watched the Rachel Maddow program, well, she'd be enlightened. He'd be enlightened, wouldn't they? Rather than digging their heels in. Or, you know, I've watched Sean Hannity in the last month. Why am I not becoming a raging Trump bot? I've done okay. I'm not uh, overcorrecting too much. This much is certain. You're still a cunt, Mr. Hannity. (laughs) I'm all right there. 
boomeranging. The boomerang effect. I didn't know it was there. I was just, I was reading that tonight. And I was like, oh, yay. My idea has a name. It's O-S-C-A-R. Anyway, back to the point. Our political problems and our elections are not the problem. We are. We are not demanding anything better at the bottom level of this data, information, knowledge, wisdom pyramid. And therefore, we're not going to get it. We get what we demand. We're responsible for our own minds. And in fact, we just want and demand whatever feeds Heights Elephant. I assume a lot of you guys, I don't know how many, watched the uh, series finale of Game of Thrones a couple of weeks ago. Right? <laughs> I had a, what I discovered was a unique take on it, but then I discovered it wasn't such a unique take on how the series ended with Daenerys Targaryen being stabbed by her lover-slash-nephew. I saw that, the entire character development, Daenerys Targaryen, as the development of the progressive utopian tyrant. She just knew what was good for everyone. She knew it was her destiny to create utopia on Earth and drag everyone into it. How do you know what's good? What about the other people that think they know what's good? Well, they don't get to choose. I saw that as a direct jab at today's liberals. I get to choose what's good. You don't. And I found some notes from another show <laughs> as I was putting this together. This is great. Oh, by the way, other people did see that. In fact, there was an article on Vox this week. I didn't read it. I didn't click the damn thing. I just read the headline because I don't give them clicks. Box is a piece of shit. It's one of the, <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's one of the big pieces of shit that's clogging up the toilet. Vox. Anyway, I read the headline and they were actually defending <laughs> Daenerys slaughtering King's Landing because it just had to be done. Anyway, here's what I found. Uh, I, just notes here, so I may stumble through this a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> I think this may have been from last year. Yeah. And I was talking about imposing liberal beliefs, creating the world that should be. And then I wrote, it's not your unilateral choice. You do not get to choose for everyone, Daenerys, what's good. That is a tyrant. Hippies. There's half the population that doesn't share your utopian vision. What are you going to do? Are you going to drag them along, Daenerys? Dracarys. Everybody who gets in your way, is that how that's going to go? From light bulbs to 600... <laughs> from light bulbs to 600 gender-specific pronouns to thought slash speech control all the way up to a borderless planet full of world citizens. If you presume to impose all of that on half the country, you fuckers, right here, it's written here, I'm not calling you fuckers, I called you fuckers a year ago. You fuckers are the tyrants. And by definition, the enemy of freedom. And you have 150 million or so enemies right now in an evenly divided country. Do the math. Okay, maybe, you know, a lot of those are children. Let's call it 100. You've got 100 million enemies right now. 
And the further you collectively radicalize, the more enemies you make. Including me, gluten-free. I like that line. And ultimately, you're going to have to come and take it by force. If you want to impose your delusion of utopia on everybody. Just like Daenerys with her dragon. Do you see the connection there? Maybe. Maybe. So, hippies, you have the uh, stomach for fighting that war, do you? Huh? Feeling all self-righteous like it's your destiny? Huh? Some of you are. I know you are. But you don't like guns. How's that going to work? <laughs> You're going to disarm yourselves and then try to do it? What you going to do about those 300 million plus guns out there, those firearms that they've been stockpiling for decades? <laughs> How's that going to work out? You think good vibes, hugs, and tofu treats are going to soothe the savage emotions and bring them over to your progressive side? Here, give me a hug. I'll give you a free hug. Oh, you're a liberal now, aren't you? You think that's going to win hearts and minds? Over to your tyrannical little side, Daenerys. Hmm. Yeah, that was from a year ago, and I really enjoyed seeing the uh, the Game of Thrones thing in that way. I liked that. Being the uh, reformed resistance warrior of that I am, I think this thing's getting long enough. That was completely thrown together in a weird way today. And it's going to be really long still, isn't it? <laughs> I'm verbose sometimes. Anyway, I do have um, everything ready to go for the next podcast. I'm going to try to get that uh, recorded really soon. So this is going to be uploaded, I think, Friday morning. And uh, look for it Saturday or Sunday. I mean, it'll be that quick. I've, I've been nine, ten days uh, between podcasts. So I'll try to get a couple out quickly. And again, you're gonna, gonna like it. If you like where this is going, you're gonna like the breakdown of Edward Bernays and Jacques Ellul. That's coming up. Escaping the Cape podcast, ChristopherMedia.net network. Go check out the other shows. Have my baseball uh, podcast up there, the Baseball Toddcast. You can also get me over at Apple Podcasts on Google Play, on the uh, Stitcher, and brand new feed. Brand new up on Spotify. So make sure you give me a follow, give me a like, give me a share. I don't share these things very well. Help me grow the show a little bit. I'd appreciate it. Till next time, so long. Take care.